I was like, I'm done. Like, I give up. I think the exact words were like, you're going to have to hit me across the head with a spiritual two by four. But I was like, I'm done. And then it was like, finally. And I was like, whoa, what? Um, and I looked around and there was nobody else. Like, I thought somebody was playing a joke on me. And I looked around and there's nobody else in the adoration chapel because it's 3 a.m. And I was like, oh, oh, just you and me, Jesus. Okay. Uh, so what was that? And he's like, finally, you gave up. Like, finally, you gave up. So now you're ready to listen, like, to me and what I want to do. And I'm like, yes, okay, what is that, please? And he's like, are you willing to be a priest? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? And he's like, I want you to be my priest. I said, okay, you got it, boss, let's do this. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Bulletin, the podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church. My name is Nate Hoffman. I'm the Communications and Development Coordinator here at St. Anthony, and today I'm joined by our Director of Evangelization, Michael Gormley. I am happy to be here, but now we have a special guest. We do have a very special guest today. For the first time, we are pleased to welcome our new parochial vicar, Father David Hust. Howdy, howdy. Welcome to the podcast, and welcome to St. Anthony's, I suppose, more importantly than this uh, this podcast of St. Anthony's. But Thank you. Very, very glad to be here. Um, as I was joking with some of the people, like, are you so excited? I'm like, yes, I am. I know my mom isn't necessarily, because I was like 10 minutes away from her. But as I said to mom, I was like, mom, you're losing stuff constantly, and you're constantly asking St. Anthony to find it for you. So he had to get something back. Yeah, so he got <laughs> he got her son. Got Wait her a son. second, you can take my keys. Take <laughs> my keys. So you, your folks are from Houston? as well? Yeah, so I'm a seventh generation Texan, native Houstonian. Um, yeah, grew up in the Meyerland area. So St. Vincent de Paul, where I was in the medical center, was very close to home. My brother and his his family and my mom and dad are, were right there. So Whenever the uh, official notice went out, his brother and I are friends and he sent me a message. He's like, you jerk, you just took my brother. It's got to be hard. Like, Nate, your brother is a priest. I don't know, Father Dave, if you knew that. His yeah. brother's a priest. That's right. And it's got to be weird and like a special level of awesome when your brother is your pastor or or the priest at the church or whatever it was cool so we worked for a year together in manhattan kansas i worked at the parish that he was the parochial vicar at and it, it was neat i will say though when he was in uh my parents hometown and my my parents would keep showing up to the sunday mass mm-hmm. it wasn't the same parish but he they would go to his sunday mass mm-hmm. and they'd want to talk to him afterwards mm-hmm. and after a couple of weeks he was like guys i I actually have parishioners yeah. here that I need to talk to. So, oh yeah, it is actually really funny because we were trying to leave early to get home because we had a handful of stuff. And Father David did the nine a.m. mass, so whole family goes to the nine a.m. mass. My daughter Cecilia is sitting in the front row, and every time he was given a homily, and would look in our direction, she'd start waving, and I was like, "Stop it! <laughs> Good thing he gives his homilies most of the time with his eyes closed." And I yeah. was like, "Stop it, Cecilia!" So, Father David, one of your first messages to the parish uh, was, "Hello, here's my name." And I'll introduce myself later. On a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But I will introduce who I am and all the little, you know, stuff where I grew up and and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Not today, not during the mass, Mm -hmm. not during the homily, because we've got some scripture to dive into. And I thought that was awesome. And I talked to several parishioners who randomly pulled me aside and told me that little story Mm -hmm. who were at the mass who were like, I'm so excited. For be- just because of what that says about you, mm. so but but that's not a show, I guess. That's that's not some you know. No, I don't character. I mean, without getting into a, a whole rant, but I mean, I I don't matter within the confines of the sacred liturgy. Like I'm in my fourth year of the priesthood, of trying to exercise Christ's priesthood well. In a certain sense, because it's Christ's priesthood, like there's the 
there should be the spirituality of John the Baptist. Like I must decrease, he must increase. And so within the mass, like, yeah, I should, it should never be Father David's show. It should never be about even like what I want to preach. Like mine is humble submission. And the word I used in the, the homily was subordination, putting myself under the order of Christ as he has ordered me to his priesthood. Like it should be about his priesthood. It should be about his word. It should be about his truth, like all shining forth. And so, yeah, hi, it's me. Like, just so you know who I am, but okay, let's talk about Jesus and about the good news and about what he has for us. So, and yeah, and part of it was, I'm glad, I'm glad that what he has for me is to come here to serve y'all. And the cool thing about that is one of the reasons for vestments, right, is almost so that the personality of the priest is caught up in, his individuality is dismissed for the sake of his role, his office in the liturgy. And so that's why vestments matter. Yep. And that's why wearing what the priest wears matters. And we'll get into this, I'm sure, in later podcasts and all sorts of different stuff. So every priest is the same priest? Well, yes. hopefully they're... The priest, the capital P, yeah. priesthood. of Christ. Yeah, that's precisely what the chasuble is. You're getting lost in um, Christ. Like he is enveloping you. Like the priest wears the alb and that's your baptismal garment. Okay, so yeah, that's you. And then you're donning the priestly stole, which is the pre- like the sign of the priestly office. But the chasuble, the sign of charity, like capital C and then capital L, love, um, like you're putting on Christ and he's about to go do the sacrifice for the love of the people of God, which is what liturgy means. And again, a whole nother podcast. Oh episode, no, I love but- <laughs> it because we're trying to do a podcast to get to know you, like, yeah. and we're still we're giving a lesson on chasubles and charity. And- <laughs> <laughs> chasubles and charity, Father David Huss, new podcast. <laughs> That's fantastic. So yeah, there's there's uh, yeah, we'll, we will get into all of that later. But we uh, wanted to have you on and and give yourself a chance to basically introduce yourself to the parish. Essentially, this is a huge parish, um, and yeah, it's going to be. Where did you come from? What was your last assignment? So my last assignment was St. Vincent de Paul in the medical center. Uh, that's about 3,800 families. So, um, yeah, for this diocese, like a medium-sized parish. Um, uh, so funny when I talk with, because Gomer and I went to Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. So we have friends that are all over the nation. And it's funny when they'll talk about their little 500-family parish. And I'm like, I don't even think we have one of those. Like, yeah. um, Awesome. So you grew up in Houston. I got to know you. I've known you since I was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. You were 19, I think. I was a freshman at Franciscan. You were a, a sophomore found out that you were a Houstonian, and so we began our annual pilgrimage to Franciscan by driving in a large caravan. That was great. That was some of the best memories, yeah. driving up there. Good fun. Good and I fun. still got the same truck. And you still have. 21 years. <laughs> a, what is it, a 97? 2001. 2001? Yeah, it's 2001. Oh, uh, 2001 Chevy Tahoe. Lift kit? Yeah, there was one. That was a, a birthday present from family, like all pitched in and got that one time. So Mud I understand it doesn't offered, fit in uh, the, the off- garage. It does not fit in the rectory garage, no. <laughs> Father Tom goes, what kind of car does Father David drive? And I just started laughing. And he goes, what? I need to know if, uh, like, well, the fourth spot will be ready when Father Kingsley moves his boxes. Um, what? And I go, oh, he ain't parking in the garage. No. He'll be parking in the school parking lot. Yep. <laughs> it's too tall. And he's like, you're kidding. Come on. So you and Father Tom both went to the same high school? Yes, St. Thomas High School. St. Thomas High yeah. School. Good times, right? Yeah, yeah. I was a, uh, I graduated in 2000, so I was the 100th class. So our class picture is like this wonky looking, like they put us in the shape of 100. Like, <laughs> we're like come on, can we just do a regular class picture? <laughs> that's but, uh, yeah, so that's great a Catholic school. all boys. School. Catholic all guys school. Um, yeah, so I mean the two main, obviously, in the diocese, Strake Jesuit and then St. Thomas High School. Um, 
the best part about those uh, was, yeah, I mean, just the environment, the brotherhood. Uh, and it was so great, too. Like, when we went to Franciscan, I loved that I could meet someone from anywhere in the United States, and they went to an all-guys high school, and you're like, I know your entire life. Um, <laughs> tell me about the chemistry teacher, whatever. Like, I'm sure it was yeah. the same ridiculous stories. So um, the rivalry very much goes away, like, after uh, high school. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's a great environment for learning. Yeah. Guys and girls learn differently. So yeah. yeah. So did you, um, you know, growing up? Sounds like you grew up Catholic. Yep. Um, going to, to going to mass on Sundays. You went to this Catholic school. Did you? Did you feel the call even then? So, so yeah, sure. A little background is, so my family is Catholic. Um, uh, my granddad was a convert to Catholicism. Um, my uh, my dad basically like kind of was. Um, his, his family wasn't immensely Catholic. Our family, I would argue, wasn't immensely Catholic. Like we went to Mass on Sunday, but that was like kind of it. We weren't like living liturgical year, which has become like a bigger thing. And thanks be to God, because it's a good thing for us to like steep ourselves in the beauty of like our Catholic faith and the traditions. But we were just kind of like Sunday Mass and then donuts. Hooray! We did the Sunday Mass and then slowly over time through high school, um, I had my conversion and that kind of began like the conversion process for the entire family. Um, and to get to the call was that I went to the Franciscan U- University Steubenville conferences um, beginning at that time was in like Alexandria, Louisiana with Bishop uh, Sam Jacobs and um, in at, high school, at, in high school, in high school. And, and uh, at, at the end of that, they basically kind of do the equivalent of like an altar call. Like, is anybody, if you even think like the smallest inkling, like you might be called to be a priest, like come on down and we're going to pray for you. Um, well, I was like, I mean, I guess so. I could be a priest. Like that might be a thing. Um, and so I went down and I mean, having served, been an altar boy for many years, like I felt at home. And so if you're talking about like the first call, I would argue like that's the first call. And this is why it's important for boys to serve in the sanctuary is because if you feel, if it feels like home, that's an indication that you need to talk to God about, like if you're called to the priesthood. Can I tell a funny story sure. about that? When me and Shannon were both youth ministers, I here at St. Anthony's, her down at St. Lawrence in Sugarland, yep. we had just broken up because I felt called to the priesthood, and we were both with our youth groups at the Steubenville South, <laughs> and then they and you were singing, so Luke was oh, there too, and that. then they and our my youth group was right in front of her youth group, and he's like, "If anyone feels called to the priesthood," and so I get up and walk down, and all my youth group is cheering, and all her youth group is like smoldering <laughs> with rage, <laughs> and she started crying so hard she ran out of the building. But now we're married. Uh, <laughs> happy ending. Happy ending. Um, okay, so um, to move more towards where thanks be to God he brought me. Um, th- uh, putting up with me and being very patient um, was so, I mean, that was, I went down, but then like kind of nothing happened. I went through high school, like usual sort of stuff, like going back and forth, trying to be like, how do I live a Catholic? At the same time, there's all the temptations and all the things of high school um, through still continuing to go to those junior year, like had a bigger conversion and was like, all right, I'm living for Christ. And then that was kind of like the decision to go to Franciscan University, even though my degree was in biology. Um, and I'd always planning on planned on being a doctor, like everybody in my family is a doctor or nurse. There was no pressure there, but like, that's what we love is the sciences. That's like my first encounter in many ways with God was like through nature. Like I'm a hunter. So I sit outside and just be in nature. And like, it's like, yeah, God had to this. I mean, this is not random chance. And your your mom is a registered nurse. Your father is uh... dad's a cardiologist. My brothers be in a cardiology fellowship. So the kind of the joke is, is they do physical hearts. I do spiritual hearts. It's a family biz. <laughs> it's a good joke. Um, <laughs> nice. What can I say? No, the big joke is that like my brother is a doc, and then his wife is an attorney, and so our family is like the beginning of a joke. Like doctor, a lawyer, and a priest walk into a bar. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is so true. Yeah. So, but no, and then and then dad's brothers are docs. Mom's dad is a doc. His yeah. brother, and then all his kids, they're all docs. Wow. So yeah, I mean, medicine is our uh, is our thing. Yeah, God just eventually, of course, will translate this into like s- being a spiritual physician and caring for people and again souls in that way. Um, okay, fast forward. Uh, went to Franciscan. Planned on going to medical school. Uh, God made it very clear in a holy hour that I had. He's like, I don't want you to be a doctor, and I'm like wait, what? Like, this is what I've been planning for. I already have like two applications out to medical schools. Like, I wish you had told me a little bit before that so I could have saved some money, but okay, whatever, you're God. <laughs> um, uh, and then and then a course of five years went by where I just did not know what God wanted. And we can talk about that another time. Those are probably immensely formative years because God didn't speak at all. This is after college? This is after college. I had it's, just You were done, living right next door to Shannon. I was living, yes. Yeah, an apartment complex. And uh, I used to go and I'd crash on his couch and then ditch him for her, and mm-hmm. then break up with her to become a priest, and then hang then out with him Then ditch her again. for him, and yeah, yeah, back and forth. It was, it was so conflicting. <laughs> so, yeah. how, how funny that you two living next to each other was like an allegory of my life, right? my vocation story. We were friends during this whole journey, and yeah. you're doing, um, you started a singing career. Yeah, did singing. I got certified in Catholic medical ethics from the National Catholic Bioethics Center, started a master's in philosophy, did a lot of things, did electronic medical records, and the, I just didn't know what God wanted me to do. Yeah. So anything I was interested in, and plus I had to make money and things like that like I was doing um but God was not speaking and again the beauty of that like that helped me in seminary formation or even now as a priest like to know that God is there and he's working even if you don't feel him um even if you don't seemingly experience him like he's there he's loving you just keep doing the next good thing and that again a whole nother talk about like God's love in the ordinary and all that but eventually I'll just say is like it got to one night where I was like God I'm done like I'm tired like, I just, I give up. Like, I was in adoration. I had, like, a 3 a.m., like, adoration time in our at St. Thomas More. I was like, I'm done. Like, I give up. I think the exact words were like, you're going to have, have to hit me across the head with a spiritual two-by-four because apparently I'm too, like, hard-headed to, like, understand or whatever. I must have too much spiritual earwax, so get out that giant spiritual Q-tip in the sky and <laughs> clean it out. But I was like, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I can't, I give up. And then it was like, finally. Oh, wow. It was like the one time I ever, it wasn't like James Earl Jones' voice, but like it was. <laughs> Simba. <laughs> but it was like this, just like finally. And I was like, whoa, what? Um, and I looked around and there was nobody else. Like I thought somebody was playing a joke on me. And I looked around and there's nobody else in the adoration chapel because it's 3 a.m. And um, I was like, oh, oh, just you and me, Jesus. Okay. Uh, so what was that? And he's like, finally, you gave up. Like, finally, you gave up. So now you're ready to listen, like, to me and what I want to do. And I'm like, yes, okay, what is that, please? And he's like, of course, then he was a little coy. He's like, you know that thing you've been ignoring since, like, freshman year in high school at that Steubenville retreat where you, like, stood up to go and do that? Are you willing to be a priest? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? And he's like, I want you to be my priest. I said, okay, you got it, boss. Let's do this. So um, an immense peace flooded in. I called the vocation director, like, the next day, and that began Holy the process. Holy cow. Wow. Yeah. A lot to unpack there. Yeah, <laughs> we were we were both young adults living in Houston when you went on that. Uh, I think it was a retreat with the servants, and then you mm-hmm. came out and you just had that five years of silence. Yeah, right. And it was a, a particular scripture verse. Yeah, I still give Father John like crud to this day. <laughs> I know because we talked was, about it when he because was it was year. like yeah, I did the eight day Ignatian exercises because I was trying to figure out. Okay, I don't know, don't know what God wants me to do. And this is again the the juxtaposition is I had wonderful consolations with the Lord on that eight day, and then 
that just even more so emphasized like the desolation of that five years because mm. I knew what consolation was. I knew what God sounded like in my life, how he spoke to me as his specific son. Um, and then there was nothing. Father John gave me, I, I don't remember what the passage was. And it, it's like a piece of in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he told me to read, you know, verses like one through seven. And I could have sworn he said one through eight. And like verse eight is then, and then all became dark. And I was like, what? That was a horrible way to end the retreat. But that was like literally the verse that <laughs> what began the five years. Yeah. All became like yeah. dark. And so this is, it seems like a great lesson in, uh, and we have a lot to unpack here, sure. but uh, what to do if you don't, if God's not telling you what to do. Mm-hmm. I think you said the phrase that, that the next right thing. Yeah. You know, I think that's a great, uh, just a, a tentpole of like, if God, if God is not speaking to you in a 3 a.m. adoration chapel, yeah. then uh, form your conscience and do yeah. the next right thing. It sounds like you surrounded yourself with the stuff that you love, these goods, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you took that to be, yeah. well, I'll just do this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then finally, your, your breakthrough. Yeah. yeah. And it's also yet another link to St. Anthony of Padua because the religious order, the Servants of Christ Jesus, there are three founders, Father John Ignatius, the artist formerly known as Aaron Little, who is a residence director in our dorm, Father Paul Koska, who is the artist formerly known as Matt Fenter, who was a parishioner, a teen here in our Life Team program. I converted him. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, no, it's him. fine. It's fine. Now Classic he's goer. a lieutenant in the... Uh, oh, yeah. In the Navy, he he's at Annapolis full time doing uh, under the diocese of uh, the U.S. military diocese doing work with them spiritual direction with them, and and then we have Thomas Yeager. Yeah. Thomas Yeager is the third founder who discerned out of the religious mm-hmm. order. He just moved up here last week, the yeah. same day as Father David, and now he'll be a parishioner here yeah. no at our parish. Yeah, and he's a lifelong super close friend. So oh, yeah. Father David is the godfather to my son. Uh, Noah and Thomas Yeager is the godfather to my son Thomas, and it matches their personalities. Uh, but the cool thing is, Father Paul Koska of the Servants of Christ Jesus, uh, he is, um, you know, he was a parishioner here. He was, he found his vocation here. He connected, and their religious order, which focuses on a lot of Ignatian mm-hmm. spirituality, the consolation, the desolation retreats, and stuff like that. When my life was falling apart, I went on a four-day silent retreat. It was very similar to what you said, Father David, where it's like I had this consolation. The consolation I had was I felt like God was speaking Hebrew and I was speaking English, and we were talking, but I I wasn't understanding anything he says. That's the best analogy I can describe it. Like I felt like I had a connection with God. I just was misunderstanding everything, and he was misunderstanding me. And when I got silent enough, that background noise mm-hmm. that constantly is going on with the busyness of this world, oh, yeah. it went away after about a day and a half, and my holy hours became holy two hours. Yeah. And I oh, didn't yeah. even know. It oh, was yeah. a beautiful time of constantly. I would sit there with one scripture verse, and I would I would check my watch and be like, whoa, it's been an hour and a half. Whereas a week before, yeah. I would go to adoration, and I'm like, oh, it's been 15 minutes. Yeah. Oh, no. Right? Like yeah. That's the kind of consolation that was just eye-opening, you know? Well, I think, you know, myself being one of them, but maybe some parishioners are listening and thinking like, well, I, why isn't God speaking to me mm-hmm. in adoration? Mm-hmm. Why, isn't, why, why do my holy hours seem like they take six hours when they're just like 30 minutes? <laughs> yeah. sure. You know, I sometimes I sit in it. So, yeah. so I guess for both of you, how do you get to that point where you are, not that you can just pray your way into consolation, I suppose, that no. that's a gift, mm-hmm. but uh, how do you set yourself up for Gomer, what you're describing, which is yep. just a great, intense prayer, and Father David, what you're describing, which is setting yourself up to be 
you know, attuned and, and be able to hear the voice of God. A couple different routes we can take it. I mean, one of the things you're going to hear me preach about a bunch is like, yeah, so disciples have discipline. So there are some basic things you need to surround yourself with that. Yeah, you need to carve out the specific time um, uh, and uh yeah, I mean, try to limit distractions. I turn on like the car driving mode on my phone, so like nothing all comes the on time. all the time. All and it has this time. automatic reply, which is like, I could be either celebrating mass, confession, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, so people just don't bug me. And the thing that kind of gives a context to it all is this is, and, and it, I think it helps people not like beat themselves up over like my prayer isn't like this. It's just this is relationship. If you get to know anybody, like it takes time. If you've ever, I mean, because Christ calls himself the bridegroom and we are the bride, like think of this as a dating relationship in some ways and that like it takes time. Like you don't just be like, well, there's a girl, going to marry her. Um, you you get to know the person. You got to get to know their idiosyncrasies, how they talk. Um, uh, and, and that just takes time. And so like you have to learn how God is going to love you and speak to you specifically. Um, so too often, and again, this goes into the disciplines, like we don't immerse ourselves in sacred scripture. We don't immerse ourselves in the writings of our brothers and sisters who have gone before us, who God has like given them those great gifts and like read their writings and dig into those. We also too are really bad at silence. We're, we're bad. And, and, yeah, we don't that at taking the time, yeah, to be silent, um, which necessitates like as well, you're going to have distractions. Like that's what's going to happen in a, in a super distracted world. And so just recognize like a mom was literally asking me after mass yesterday, like, how do I, how do, I do this? And I'm like, stop expecting yourself to not have distractions. Like I have a sticky note next to me, like at, when I'm going to prayer and be like, oh, yep, that was the thing. Because the second you start settling down, like you're going to have stuff that pops in your head, whether it's the devil or it's just like you settled. And now all of a sudden your mind has a little bit of space to like think of something and that's going to happen. So don't be like deterred by it. Just be like, okay, yep, I'll get to that later. Here we go. And we go into the next thing. But yeah, I mean, the, the place for silence and then getting used to it, that back to the disciples have disciplines. Like it's going to take time to discipline oneself. Um and become comfortable with like the beauty of silence. But eventually, like with time, like you will find, and I find it most people who are growing in their capacity for mental prayer and meditation, like they'll get to a point where it's like, wow, like that went by insanely fast. Like crud, I wanna stay in the chapel longer, but I, I can't. Like I gotta go, now I gotta go do the next good thing as mom, dad, like priest, whatever. And okay, here we go and let's go. No, that is that is something I, I hear a lot is uh, this excitement for prayer, this this kind of, oh shoot, I gotta go. I, I wish I could be here for another 30 minutes, which yeah. to me and to a lot of people that I, I speak to about coming to mass, it's like, well, that's, I don't, should I be feeling bad because I don't feel that way? Because I feel like, okay, finally I can go do my other stuff. And, uh, you're saying it's just, it just takes time. It, it just takes, takes, it's a muscle. Again, of. not just time again. And this is why if we, if we look at prayer as just, and this is the danger of talking about like the disciples having disciplines is that if we just look at it as like a thing to do, and I got a bunch of techniques and things to like check off a box, it's still just going to be a to-do list item rather than encounter with a living person, mm -hmm. the divine persons, the father, son, the Holy spirit, and especially like Jesus Christ, like the mediator between God and man, like the more, you know, for instance, uh, Aquinas will say like the more you, um, the more you know something, the more you can love it. So the more you spend time with the person of Jesus Christ, which he does like 
we encounter him through sacred scripture. We can learn more about him. Like if I was, if I needed to know some, wanted to know some prisoners, I might go, Hey Nate, can you tell me about like so-and-so so I can know them more so I can relate to them more so I can just kind of like jump right into a bigger conversation than some of the little like superficial ones that maybe I'm not so great at. I'm, I'm not great at it. Yeah. And, and that, that allows us to go deeper and faster. But so the more we know, the more you know da, 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 with the star thing. What was that? I don't know. Anyway, but... Uh, it was NBC's uh, was The NBC? More You Know. The oh, More yeah. You Know? Okay, for some reason, the that was G.I. Joe. But anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so it's it's not just about technique or time mm-hmm. or... Though those are factors in there, but it's, again, recognizing that we are coming into the presence of God. This is why Ignatius starts, like, the examine prayer with the first thing you do is not only just stop, but already recognize you're in the presence of God, that he's looking at you lovingly. He's chosen you as his son or daughter. And like from that place, then the rest of the stuff comes. But yeah. you got to stop and like be beheld by God and mm. also like behold him. And then once you make that kind of like spiritual eye connection of like, oh yeah, there's God and he loves me. Okay, now we can begin to surrender our hearts. And the more and more you begin to surrender to the other person uh, and engage the two mysteries, like you, an unfathomable mystery that God has created and loves um, that only he can fully comprehend. And then you trying to like surrender and love him and and know him, like the more hearts be actually become intertwined and the easier prayer gets because yeah. prayer is relationship, not a thing we do. Right. Prayer is a relationship, not a technique. There yeah. are techniques that just like when I'm counseling, I was talking with a couple preparing for a convalidation last night. And you can come up with techniques on how to have good communication, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's different than loving the person mm-hmm. in the actual moment. And you just think about it, just the analogy is there are things that we have to do, right? But at the same time, God is sovereign and God is free. And so prayer is both an activity on our part that we can grow in the skill and cultivation of. But it's also a gift on God's part. that he has sovereign freedom over in the giving of the gift. And every Mm -hmm. consolation or desolation can be viewed from that perspective. So if it's a real relationship, he has the freedom to come to you. You have the freedom to come to him. You just think of the disciples, right? Like if they didn't walk with Jesus, they would just say, well, I'm just going to sit here and let all the – no, they had to get up and walk with Mm -hmm. Jesus. And then they heard – the, the the spontaneous moments of the woman grabbing the hem of his garment or him healing a leper or whatever it is, the the disciplines of the disciple make the opportunities for God's spontaneous and free grace to actually move in your life. Yeah. But we don't want to do the disciplines. We just want to have a series of experiences. Yeah. Right. So it's like, give me the technique so I can earn this. Let yeah. me do my yoga pose so I can achieve this. Because you, you said at the beginning, like, what do we need to do? And I was going to say, yoga. But no. like that's the, that's the problem is... People want a series of very measurable this, 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 and right. then God. Well, right? it's, and it's trust, right? It's like, I, yeah. because so many other things, it's like if you want to uh, do a thing, then there's a, you know, I don't know, do be able to do 10 pull-ups. There's yeah. a technique that you got to yeah. do. And yeah. I, I think that we don't trust that there's, well, there is something. Obviously, yeah. you're saying there's something, but God is driving it. And I yeah. don't think that myself, I will just speak for myself instead of every single parishioner at St. Anthony's Church. <laughs> you are the voice. <laughs> we, of, <laughs> no, uh, but trust is there. Like, do we trust that if we're, if we're just going to sit and God's going to drive or are we going to say, come in with a rosary and our book and our, yeah. you know, all these techniques uh, and, and like, no, I'm controlling this holy hour. And that's yeah. what I actually, I preached a little bit about yesterday. I was like, yeah, okay. It's, it's a pretty significant thing when God sends his mom multiple times from heaven and says like, pray the rosary every day. Okay. Yeah. You should, 
we should do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think it's St. Louis de Montfort will say, like, if you could, it would be better to pray, like, one Hail Mary with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength than it would to pray all 20 decades of the rosary. Why? Because the rosary is the vehicle to enter into intimacy with God by recognizing that all those moments in his life, like he loved you. And you're really taking Mary by the hand and she's taking you by the hand and trying to like usher you into that so that you can encounter her Lord and Savior and your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, And so uh, the reason why the rosary too is good is because not only we have mama, like the perfect woman, uh, like taking us to Jesus, the, the, the one he chose even to entrust himself to. And that he gave us as mom on the cross. Um, but as well, she helps us enter into that intimacy. Lost my train of thought. But yeah, she's going to assist us. There's something I wanted to come back to, and, and I apologize. I was thinking ahead too far. Uh, but uh, is that like this is why um, what Gomer was talking about, like this is one of the reasons why I'm so very thankful for, and you know, the people who come in, again, with all the beautiful devotions, all those sorts of things, again, they can be utilized, again, to help us enter into intimacy, but we have to recognize when to like stop and to surrender to like that poke and prod of the Holy Spirit that he wants to be like, no, no, stop here and like go deeper. Mm. Um, and that, again, that takes time, that takes trust. And it's hard for us in, in the modern world to like trust something that's not tangible that's not like in front of us um and again that's why just to go back to like circle around to the the vocation story is that's why i thank god so very much for that five years i was not exactly very happy about it in those five years because i wanted god to speak but he taught me trust he taught me like to not use him as like a cosmic pez dispenser of good feelings and consolations, but rather that, no, 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 he's, he's still here. I can trust in him. I, yeah, I do some of these disciplines. I pray the rosary. I go to mass every day. I was going to confession like every two weeks just because like these are some of the things the saints say to do. And I'm going to trust my older brothers and sisters in the faith that who walked it well, who ran the race well and succeeded and won the crown by God's grace. Like, okay, I'm going to trust him and I'm going to do these things and I'm going to have those encounters with Christ even if I don't feel it because love goes beyond feeling it's willing the good of the other and so like I will God's good in my life this is how he said he's going to sanctify me so I'm going to do those things I'm going to trust him I trust the saints and do those and and again yeah he he increased Mm -hmm. uh, those faith hope love trust well this is great we're supposed to be um, we're supposed to be talking about Father David uh, and this is now our (laughs) second very deep theological discourse (laughs) so I think that's say quite a bit um, I think we left it there at the okay. end of your five years, and then okay, you go yeah. to seminary, I assume, right after that, right? Yes, I went to seminary. and, and then uh, That was part one with our uh, Get to Know Father David podcast. Uh, if you want to meet Father David in person, you can come over to Deacon Baldy's on Tuesday, July 20th, uh, anytime between 5 and 7 p.m. He'll be there. Our staff will be there. The trucks will be open this time, so that should be a really good um, open house for St. Anthony's. You can check that out on our events page. Um, some other things from around the parish. We're hosting a book study on um, how to draw, draw your child back to the church by Brandon Vaught. Uh, it's a book called Return. That study uh, is going to begin on July 6th, but you can jump in every Tuesday. Except for that Tuesday, we're going to be at Deacon Baldy's for the next six or seven weeks. That's going to be here at the church. Again, check out ap.church slash events for more information on that study and for everything that's going on at St. Anthony's. Thanks a ton for listening. <laughs>